Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode, number 53 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about guitars. Is that how you say it? Guitar? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe down there in Florida, (laughs) but not up here. (laughs) Been looking forward to this one because uh, it's a subject that's dear to my heart. I'm not a guitar player, but I was in the music business for over 35 years and made my living that way for that whole time. Mm-hmm. Owned a couple of music stores. So so this is a subject that I could talk about for a long, long time. However, I won't. <laughs> well, you can. Well, what we need to do with this one, I think, to so it'll make sense for the listeners, is to uh, limit the scope to talking about instruments that they would actually find to flip. So we'll be talking about flipping the guitars rather than guitars in general, because there are so many brands of guitars. Right. And, uh, you know, Gibson and Fender and Martin, and and there are craft uh, luthiers who, like Wayne Henderson or Benedetto, who turn out custom instruments, and big manufacturers like, you know, Gibson and, and Yamaha, and the scope is just too big to narrow down to to one podcast. So we may revisit it in the future. But for now, let's talk about items that flippers are likely to find in different venues and how they can tell if the instrument's any good, mm-hmm. uh, what it is that they're looking at, what brands might be good when to flip. And of course, that doesn't preclude doing research. You still have to do that. But, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to look at a guitar and know whether it's worth spending the time researching it or not. So you have some experience, right, selling uh, guitars on eBay? Yeah, Wayne, I've actually sold a few on consignment over the years. It's been a while, I'll admit, but they were quality names, you know, that sell well, like one was a Gibson for sure. Sure. And one that I sold was an autographed guitar. Mm-hmm. And forgive me, I I thought about making up a name. and I just, <laughs> This one was signed by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't go there. Wait. So, yeah, I couldn't lie. But I, I can't remember the name. But it was a cool experience because when the gentleman brought the guitar to me, he owns a, a radio station mm-hmm. in Gainesville, Florida, right, and they wanted to do this guitar as a fundraiser mm-hmm. for Shan's Children's Hospital up in Gainesville. Right. They wanted to do a live auction at during the break of their basketball game. Sure. So I had never done this before. I actually had a connection at eBay to line this up because it's tricky if you do an online auction and there's a lot of people bidding live mm-hmm. from all with the same ISP. Sure. You know, yeah. in the same area. Right. 
and it can look fishy. And so eBay um, will shut that down. I've had that happen. So to, if you're going to do something like this, you actually need to contact eBay to let them know that this kind of thing is going to be taking place so that they know that there's no, you know, nonsense going on. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I ran the auction. I scheduled it to start and well, to start for a one day auction. Right. So that it would be ending the last 30, 40 minutes of their basketball game. Mm-hmm. And so it was really cool. It, it sold for, my husband actually remembered, it was 2300 that oh. it sold for. Right. And um, it was such a cool experience because it was live, you know, and, and it was fun to be a part of that. And 100% was to a charity using eBay for charity. Right. At the time, it was called eBay Giving Works. Right. And um, it was really exciting to be a part of that and watch that watch that grow and all because of a guitar. Sure. Well, guitars can bring really big bucks at well-publicized auctions uh, given by big auction houses. Sure. Uh, the, one of the, the big sales that comes to mind is a few years back, they sold an electric guitar played by Bob Dylan. Now, there's a, a history to that. Bob Dylan came out at the Newport Folk Festival uh, with the Paul Butterfield Band and strapped on an electric guitar for the first time and got booed and but it it created the the whole all of the folk rock that came after that. That guitar went for a million dollars, which was a big deal back then. That was the sure. highest price. But now auction houses are, are on the lookout all the time for name brand guitars and and top end guitars and guitars with good provenance and because uh, they'll bring good prices. And that's one of the reasons that flippers shouldn't bother going to those kinds of auctions. It's very rare anymore that you'll see a, a guitar at an auction that doesn't have a reserve on it. The auctioneers aren't willing to sell it at, at the highest bid because they know what it's worth. My favorite place to look for guitars is an estate sale, like a tag sale, that is done by a mediocre local company because <laughs> okay. they don't know what these things are worth. Sure. And they, you can find good things at yard sales. Most people these days know the big names, Gibson and Fender yeah. and so on. What they don't know is they don't know about Harmony and K and Stella or Kalamazoo or Dan Electro. All of these mass-produced, fairly high quality compared to what you get today, uh, instruments that were made for beginners. Because, you know, I don't care if you're Jimi Hendrix or Mark Knopfler, at one point you were a beginner. So there's a lot of those guitars around. People stick them in their closets, and when they have an estate sale or a yard sale, whatever, they'll they'll put the guitar out because they don't know what they've got. And, but those are the brands that people are looking for. They were high-quality brands for student instruments. Today, student instruments are practically made of cardboard. But these were pretty decent, and collectors look out for them. I mean, there is nothing I'd rather have than a nice... Uh, 
a vintage arch top guitar and I don't even play guitar. I've got a Martin sitting <laughs> over there in the corner Dude. and uh, it hasn't been picked up for years. So, <laughs> but they're, they're, when you go to a sale and you want to, and you see a guitar, there are a couple of steps to take if you don't know anything about guitars. Of course, you want to note what the name is to see if you recognize it or not. But in general, you you pick up the instrument, and the first thing that I do is I would put the body of the guitar against my shoulder and put my left hand under the neck as if I were shooting a rifle, and then I'd sight down the neck to see mm -hmm. if there's any warp or curve in it. Okay. Because if a neck on a guitar is warped, that means that the strings are going to be really high off the neck. They're going to be very hard to press down. And there's nothing more discouraging to a beginner than a guitar with a warped neck. Okay. And I can tell you, I am a drummer today because I started on a guitar <laughs> with a warped neck. Uh, you know, I get to play with my friends and I just turn it over and bang on it because there's the only way I can get anything <laughs> out of it. Uh, so that's the first thing to do. Uh, the other thing is there are varying types of guitars. There are guitars that have six strings and guitars that have four strings. Look primarily for the ones with six strings, because mm -hmm. those are the ones that people can pick up and strum and learn songs on. If it's got four strings, it's either got two missing strings or it's a bass guitar. And bass guitar, uh, though I've got, they're they're great to play and a lot of fun to play. It's not the kind of thing that you can sit down and serenade your girlfriend with. Is that that's what is, you can do that with a six string, and then. In the strings, it's either going to have nylon strings or it's going to have metal string. And the metal strings, you play the guitar with a pick. And generally, on the nylon strings, you finger pick. Those are more classical guitars. That's a grand generalization. It's not always done that way. Willie Nelson plays a, a nylon string guitar with a pick. So everyone has their own style. But if you do those two kind, those two things, you look at, at whether or not the neck is warped, and and you look at the uh, uh, the strings on the guitar. That'll tell you a lot right there. And then you can look up the name of the guitar, and and you'll know more about what you've got and if if it's worth it. But if if someone wants to to download this episode or is sitting inside and can grab a pencil and paper. The names that I look for when I go out are Harmony and K, uh, Stella, Kalamazoo, which is, was a Gibson promotional brand, and Dan Electro. Okay, Dan, I hate to take a break because I love this subject, but let's uh, pause right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back shortly. Dealers, you don't have to build your own reference library. WorthPoint has done it for you. With WorthPoint's digital library, you can access over 1,000 books on antiques and collectibles in one convenient place. Find the info you need quickly. Search books by title or author or subject. Dig deep using a keyword search. Don't waste time digging through pages of Google results. Get there quicker with WorthPoint. For a 7-day, seven 7-lookup seven free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. I'm excited. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, 
And we are talking about flipping guitars. Dan Electro, for me, is the golden ring. I would love to find a Dan Electro guitar. Uh, it's such a unique instrument. It had a very distinctive sound. And people are falling all over themselves to find uh, vintage Dan Electro guitars. Inventor of Dan Electro guitars was a guy named uh, Nathan Daniel. And in World War II, he was a radio technician. And during the war, if, if radio was near a Jeep or a vehicle, the noise from the vehicle would cause a feedback loop and they could, the soldiers couldn't communicate well over the radio. It was too noisy. So he invented a shielding mechanism so that the radios would work better. And when he got out of the army, he took that invention and decided to make guitar pickup because electric guitars were brand new at that time and the pickups were terrible. They, you couldn't turn them up without getting feedback. Uh, they just weren't very good. That was the problem with early electric guitars. So he figured out a way to, to shield these pickups, and he also wired them in series. People my age remember Christmas tree lights. When one bulb went out, the whole string went out. That's wired in series. But if it's not wired in series... If one bulb goes out, the rest of them will keep working. So he, he had these pickups wired in series, and he had them shielded. And here's the good part of the story. The good part of the story is he didn't know how to put, he didn't know how to make the physical pickup itself. So what he did was he bought wholesale lipstick tubes. <laughs> and he put all of this stuff into lipstick tubes and inserted the lipstick tubes in the guitar. And it was the first guitar where you could crank that sucker up and still get a good clear tone. And that's why you see it in so many places. The first big power chord guitar player was a guy from Washington, D.C., originally from North Carolina, named Link Ray. Link Ray and the Raymen. And he played a Dan Electro Longhorn model guitar. I've seen pictures of Jimi Hendrix playing one in a band when he was in the Army. Oh, cool. Uh, I've seen pictures of uh, Mick Jagger and Elvis and Jimmy Page and Mark Knopfler all playing Dan Electros on stage. Uh, that's my golden ring. I would love to find a Dan Electro guitar. They not only sold them under Dan Electro name, but uh, they also provided guitars to Sears and Sears sold them as silver tones. Uh, a lot of these companies, Harmony and, and uh, Stella and Kay, manufactured guitars and distributed them through Sears and Montgomery Warts. Because, well, I, you know, I, I came of age in the late 50s, early 60s, and I lived 10 miles outside of Washington, D.C., and when I bought my first drum set, I had to drive into Washington to get it. Because there was nobody in the suburbs that sold drum sets. But my buddies in the band could go down to Montgomery Wards and buy their guitars and amplifiers. <laughs> so you can find guitars like that with uh, names like Silvertone. And then the Montgomery Wards uh, line was Airline. And those two, if you see those and can trace their, their roots... You could find that you have 
one of the higher quality classic vintage guitars. Those those are the ones I love. Well, that's really good. I mean, for someone like myself that doesn't know anything about guitars, um, I I still when I when I go to the yard sales and estate sales and I spot them, I always go take a look. I honestly never thought about looking at the neck, but mm-hmm. I always would look. I'm talking about wooden guitars. What are those right. called? Acoustics, what we call okay. them now. Yeah. And I would look inside the hole to see. Sometimes they'd be stamped. There'd be a stamp in there. Or a label. Or a label. Some of them would be stamped. The cheaper ones would just have like a burn or like a... Tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> a tattoo. And... You'd be able to see that inside. And if it said Mexico, chances are it wouldn't be a big seller. But right. I might I might still consider it depending on what kind of shape it's in. And I've sold a few of them myself that way. And even with no strings or anything like that. And I did come across one one time that had no strings. And I can't remember the name of it, but I did my research and it was worth a few bucks so I did take it down to the music shop and I did have them put strings on it because I realized I would make more money. Yeah, if it had strings. So I did that and and it paid off. So you bought it with no strings attached and you sold it with strings <laughs> attached. I just set you up for that. That's right. That was I couldn't <laughs> let that one get by. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing about buying guitars to to flip is that, it, of course, it always helps if it's uh, got some provenance uh, or if it's uh, one of the name brands or an offshoot of a name brand. But it's also true that if the neck is straight and the strings are relatively easy to press down and the guitar looks good, it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my music store, we had a full band and orchestra rental program, you know, clarinets and violins and trumpets and that kind of thing to rent to school kids. And when I bought the store, the previous owner had an old inventory. So his stuff was a little beat up looking and that kind of thing. And I had a hard time renting them. I'd always rent the the new ones. And I asked the MI rep about what was going on with that. And he said, Wayne, you know, when Kids show up at band on the first day. They can't play a lick, but they want to look good. <laughs> and that's what happens with guitars. You know, if you've got something that's that's good, a good looking and nice to play, mm-hmm. then you're going to be motivated to pick up and learn how to play. You can always buy a better one. Sure. But if you if it's if it's ugly and you, if the strings are hard to push down. You're not going to want to play. You're never going to get any better, and you're never going to get a better guitar. So, mm-hmm. now me, it doesn't bother me at all. I'll spend a lot of money on a guitar and not play it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun to um, learn about them, like so many things that I love to learn about as a, a flipper. Mm-hmm. And it's fun when you you know run across one, and it's like, oh, a guitar, and then you start the research process and. The electric guitars that I've picked up over the years, I've done better. Well, sometimes I'll sell the amps separately because sometimes I can make more money on an amp. Absolutely. Than I can on the guitar. Sure. 
but sometimes the amps are worthless. It just, again, depends on the make and model and that kind of, and the quality of it, the sound quality. But one thing that I learned is when I had an electric guitar, especially, I would take the photos outside when I would Mm -hmm. list it on eBay and I would lay it on a table outside and then I would adjust my camera so that, well, my phone, and so that people could see the surface because they want to know if there's scratches. And if there is scratches, they want to know, is it a deep scratch? Is it a surface scratch? You want to make sure that you have clear descriptions on everything or you're going to get a refund. You're going to have to refund them some money because you didn't tell them they didn't know about that scratch or it was deeper than what you said. So I think that's really important that you have a lot of good photos with showing all the flaws. You're, you're absolutely right. One word of caution. Well, guitars have knockoffs just like uh, purses and shoes. Sure. There were a lot of uh, Les Paul model Gibsons showing up in the United States yep. that were knockoffs. And I wrote an article for WorthPoint, I think, WorthPoint or Antique Trader, at the time, this had to be 10 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. about how to spot a fake Les Paul. And little things like uh, differences in in the signature, because the Les Paul signature is on the headstock. So difference in the signature, a difference in the uh, what's called a truss rod cover. The, on a guitar, I mentioned earlier about the necks being warped. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason that happens is Guitar strings pull at a lot of tension, and people usually don't take the tension off of them to put them in the case and put them away. So as they stay with that tension on them, the neck starts to warp and sometimes come unglued at the bottom. And to prevent that from happening, better quality guitar makers will put an adjustable steel rod inside the neck, and there's a little cap up in the headstock. You unscrew the head cap, they can get in there with a tool and crank down on that rod and it'll straighten the neck out, which is a great feature to have. And that's one of the things that separates a good guitar from a bad guitar. Now, Dan Electra that I mentioned earlier, those guys, even though it was a student model, they put a steel I-beam in. <laughs> so it was not adjustable, but it didn't move either. So mm. that's that's an important point to remember is that if you see a name brand guitar for cheap, be careful. That's That should throw up red flags because okay. if it's a Gibson, then people are going to know it's worth some money. And if you see a Gibson selling for a third of the price it would normally go for, I'd, I'd take a real close look at it. Could be a real good deal or it could be a ripoff. And then there are other manufacturers, big name manufacturers, who don't make guitars in America anymore. They import most of them and they make you know, second lines, and they come over and they've got the Fender name on it. But boy, it's sure not like the mm. Stratocasters and Telecasters of old. These are just kind of wimpy knockoffs. Okay, Dana, all good things must come to an end. So I'm I'm looking at my uh, neon Gibson branded uh, clock on the wall, and it says it's time to go. Too bad. We'll have to revisit guitars Uh, Again in the future sometime. So uh, if you like this episode, tune in again when we do the next one. And if you didn't like this episode, well, fooey on you because I had a good time. Okay, Dana, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Wayne. Bye-bye. 
You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.